0: Hello, I'm Tom Standage, Deputy Editor at The Economist, and you're listening to The World Ahead. This future gazing podcast series considers the big themes that will shape the coming year, drawing on the predictions and analysis in our annual publication, The World Ahead 2023, which is out now. Over eight episodes, we're discussing the key questions that will prepare you for 2023. This week, we're looking at language, and in particular, the new buzzwords, jargon and terms of art that could be making their way into the collective consciousness over the next 12 months. In 2020 and 2021, the world embarked on a crash course in epidemiology and vaccinology. Novel expressions such as flattening the curve, viral load, spike protein and mRNA vaccine became part of the public discourse. And then, beginning in February 2022, the war in Ukraine has made it grimly necessary to learn a whole load of new military terms such as NLOR, MANPAD, HIMARS and counter-battery fire. Now, none of these are actually new terms. Experts in vaccinology and, indeed, in modern warfare were already familiar with them. What changed was that these previously obscure terms entered wider circulation. So, which words and phrases will become more widely known in 2023? Here to help make sense of it all are our resident language expert, Lane Green, who's currently in Madrid. Hello, Lane. Hi, Tom. And our American West Coast correspondent, Aaron Braun, is bright and early in LA. Hello, Aaron.
1: Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you both. Now, Erin, you've been looking at terms that relate to our changing environment and the fight against climate change. So what word should we be looking out for in 2023?
1: My first word is Deadpool.
0: Deadpool. Okay. Now, before we go into what that means, we've asked some members of the public to take a guess. So let's have a listen and see what they thought it meant.
2: Deadpool.
0: Like One word? Deadpool?
3: Well, Deadpool was the name of that movie... It's Ryan Reynolds.
0: Ryan
2: Reynolds. Is he called Deadpool because of whatever this is? I think it's when you break the fourth wall like a superhero.
4: I maybe like a pool of financial deals that have dropped dead. <laughs> and they're not going ahead anymore. So every firm needs to know what their Deadpool is.
0: OK, some interesting guesses there. Lane, would you like to hazard a guess at what a Deadpool or what
5: Deadpool might be? A grim question. Um, in the movie Deadpool, he's so named because people are betting on when he's going to die. So we're referring to a betting pool here. If that holds, then uh, it is grim, as I say, but maybe it's a betting pool on something like which species is going to go extinct next or something like that.
1: That's a great guess.
5: Yeah, go on. Tell us what it actually means then, Erin.
1: Uh, so I had a feeling that a lot of people would think about Ryan Reynolds and the, the Marvel movie, but actually it's much less sexy than that. If you think about a reservoir, like a giant bathtub, and by reservoir, I'm thinking of these kind of giant man made lakes that exist all over the world, there's different levels that kind of wonky water nerds talk about. And the first is Full Pool, which is exactly what it sounds like. The reservoir is full, happy days. Deadpool, is when the water level in a reservoir is so low because of a drought that water can no longer pass through a dam and be sent downstream. So it's quite a scary term and has huge implications for the folks that depend on that water.
0: So is there a particular dam that is in danger of ending up in this dead pool state?
1: There are a few, yeah. Um, In the American West, which I study, Lake Powell, which is on the border of Utah and Arizona, is in particularly dire straits. Um, I don't think we'll see it hit Deadpool in 2023, but it will definitely inch closer.
0: Right. And um, presumably when a reservoir reaches Deadpool state, you haven't got water flowing downstream, so that can affect quite a lot of people, right? And also you're not generating electricity, are you? So this is bad in two ways, yes?
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. There's actually another level called minimum power pool. And when we hit that, you can't generate electricity. And that's just above Deadpool. So a, a big warning sign, as it were.
0: Oh, okay. So have we got close to that or, or even in that state with any of these um, endangered reservoirs?
1: We are, we are getting close. Yes.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you for telling us what that means and also telling us how to use it. It's not a Deadpool, but it's when a reservoir reaches Deadpool. Is that correct? You got it. Okay, excellent. What's your next term of art that you're going to tell us about?
1: Next, we're talking about aridification.
0: Aridification?
3: Aridification. Aridification.
2: Like the word arid means dry.
3: Dry and arid. Exactly. Yeah, dry, dry, dry.
2: Making something really dry. Making something really boring.
3: Oh, it's a negative term for describing how it's very difficult to grow crops in deserts.
0: Okay. Lane, once again, would you like to guess uh, what aridification might mean technically?
5: Well, the last guess seemed closest to me. I mean, we have the term desertification, which I do know, which means turning into a desert. And I'm guessing something like aridification is a step before desertification, if uh, if analogy serves here.
1: Lane is very close. And the, the folks who gave their answers were super close too. I'm really impressed. If you think about the word drought, it kind of implies that it's ephemeral. You know, we have wet years and dry years. It's part of the natural variability of the climate. But in some places like the American West, like Southern Europe, so I'm sure Lane is familiar with this, and a couple other regions, you've got, because of climate change, this long-term drying of the region. And so aridification is basically this kind of a long-term drying that is a step beyond drought that officials have started using to convey to people that, yes, you know, the current drought that we're in might end, but the future is still inevitably dry.
0: Right. So when drought isn't droughty enough, you have to reach for a more severe term of art for this.
1: When mega drought isn't droughty enough.
0: <laughs> That's why we need a ridification. Okay, brilliant. And what's your third term?
3: Resilience hubs. Resilience hubs. That sounds like you might have it in an office where people can go and relax.
4: I want to say it's like centers where like you get together and you do group counseling and maybe also self-defense classes, like women's self-defense classes. Mm, I love that. Group sharing, compliment circles, stuff like that. And then you like sort of build community resilience. I loved their definition of resilience hubs.
1: I want to go to that type of resilience hub. But this kind is basically the next level up of a cooling center. So there's probably air conditioning and water and a place you can charge your phone if the power goes out during a heat wave. But also there might be social services because we know that a lot of the folks that use cooling centers are society's most vulnerable. So there might be social workers who can help them find housing or education or food. So it's kind of like cooling centers 2.0, if you will.
0: Okay, so it's a safe place you can go in a heat wave where it'll definitely be cool, there'll definitely be water, and you can charge your phone and maybe get these other services as well.
1: Yep, exactly. And then finally, we've got cool pavement. Ooh, cool pavements.
4: I think they are like pavements painted white.
3: Yes, like when they painted all of the roofs white.
4: Yes, so you you want to reflect rather than absorb light because that contributes... To the overall cooling effect on the
3: surface. Exactly, of the air. and also because of dogs' feet. Oh yes, yeah. because dogs for the burn dog. feet. That's the final answer.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, how did our uh, mystery guesses do on that one?
1: Brilliantly, they were spot on. Cool pavement is basically different ways to reflect sunlight, either on the roof or on the road, by painting them white or by painting a kind of sealant over them to try to reflect more sunlight than they otherwise would. So spot on on that one.
0: Excellent. Now, I'd heard of cool roofs and painting roofs white. But in America in particular, you do have a very, very large amount of the surface area of cities, which is parking lots or roads, right? So is this extending this idea to that? And and where are the sorts of places that are trying this out?
1: Yeah, exactly. And cool pavements and cool roofs, they're all part of this desire to adapt to more common and more severe heat waves. So you see them especially being deployed in places like Phoenix and Los Angeles, where there are a lot of parking lots and a lot of folks who don't have air conditioning to try to make the city as cool as possible.
0: Great. Thank you very much for those definitions. Lane, we're going to move on to yours now. So which new words have caught your eye for 2023?
5: Well, the first one I'm going to be interested to see what the guesses are is... Twat City, or in my American accent, we might say it as, as Twat City.
3: Um, Twat, Twat City. city. London. <laughs> maybe Twat City could be London. Um, <laughs> so we're
4: thinking of a place it could be. Oh, Is yeah. that, or we're we thinking Well, Or wrong? maybe it's
3: like bigger than that. It's bigger, Twat it's more conceptual. <gasps> I know, a place where you put, everyone who disagrees with the idea of like, climate change has to go and live in a city, and it's, it's called like, Twat City. And it's in the desert.
2: Oh, something, something, and something. It's gonna, it's gonna end up meaning like twat, isn't it? That's the, whole, that's gonna be the
0: point of it. So it's gonna be bad things. Okay, Aaron, have you got any guesses what a twat city might be?
1: Um, I have never heard this term before, so I kind of similarly was thinking like cities with bad reputations for one reason or another.
5: Laid, what is a twat city? Right. Well, the the capitalization will help you a bit if you see the word printed. It's got a capital T and a capital W and then a lowercase a and then a capital T. So your your main words are T, W and T. And it's a it's a city where because of pandemic uh, hybrid working, people are primarily working in the city Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday while they're working from home, of course, on Monday and Friday. Now, uh, this is going to have effects for how all kinds of cities work. Uh, Bars will usually have their happy hour. Pubs in London will be fullest and their Friday afternoon drinks. Well, now we're already seeing uh, places filling up on Thursday afternoons as people say goodbye to their colleagues physically for the next perhaps four days. So we'll see peaks uh, change in services and uh, other industries and uh, whether it'll actually have any of the effects that our, our guests guest uh in terms of the kind of people that are gonna be hanging out in the city. I'm I'm gonna leave that to the imagination of our listeners. Okay, so Thursday is the new Friday for people who are just working in the middle of the week.
0: Great. Let's move on to your next term. What's the next one?
5: The next word is yimbi.
2: Yimbi. <laughs>
3: yimbi. Yimbi
2: could be like a like a like a sugary snack, like an American snack,
0: like a Pop Tart.
3: I mean that just sounds like a Korean dish.
0: Okay, Erin. Any guesses as to what yimby or a yimby might be?
1: Yeah, I am actually very familiar with the word yimby, and that is because I live in California.
0: Oh, enigmatic! Is it some kind of new drug? Is it a a new technology, Lane? Tell us what it is.
5: Well, I like that the uh, the guesses from our from our invited guests were. Kind of playful. It sounds like a word that might come up in a Dr. Seuss book or something like that, children's poetry or something like that. Gimby plays off the better known uh, NIMBY, which is people who want nothing in my back or not in my backyard. They don't want anything built. These are typically opponents of new housing and new infrastructure developments, and they make it very hard for lots of jurisdictions to get anything built fortunately, we also have YIMBYs, people who are clamoring for new mixed developments where housing uh, will live closer to uh, amenities like commercial uh, real estate and infrastructure roads and things like that. More dense developments where people will live a little closer to where they work and maybe make those places a little less like uh, sort of gated communities and maybe be a boost to economic growth as well. Aaron, do you want to tell us why uh, California is so important in this regard?
1: I think that San Francisco kind of birthed the Yimby movement. I may be mistaken on that, but it certainly is very popular there. And you see um, kind of a whole Yimby faction in politics. And now there are Yimby politicians getting elected and changing laws. So it's a really big emerging force in California.
5: That's right. And in California in July of 2023, we'll see a piece of legislation called the Affordable Housing and High Road Jobs Act come into effect. And this is essentially going to be a bill that makes it harder for NIMBYs with an N to object. And so is a boost to the YIMBYs who say, we need denser development. We need to be putting things, yes, indeed, in my backyard.
0: Hurrah. And yes, um, San Francisco is famously full of NIMBYs who say, you can't build anything because it will spoil the character of my lovely neighborhood. And um, it started there, and then the backlash has started there first as well. Lane, what's your next term? My final term is battery belt.
2: So battery belt is an area near a landfill site where there's lots of discarded electronic waste. Something that holds your trousers
3: up, which also charges your phone. Maybe that's yeah, like an Apple Watch, but a whole belt. I know, something to do with solar power. Maybe it's like Create the strip, green strip energy. around the equator that
4: gets the most sunlight for solar panels. Ooh, that's yeah. the battery belt. Yes.
2: Isn't like lithium like sourced from a very very small amount of places therefore are those places referred to as the battery belt
0: Some interesting guesses there Erin any guesses as to what the battery belt is Yeah
1: all of their guesses were amazing I think rather than it being where things like lithium are sourced it's a, a region where batteries are manufactured
0: Lane, put us out of our misery. What is indeed the battery belt?
5: Well, well all the guesses before were, were quite close, but Aaron, uh, Aaron nailed it down properly. It's it's the uh, sort of aspirational name for places that uh, might go from being old-fashioned manufacturing areas, what we used to call or still call rust belts because their they're coal and steel and things like that have gone into decline. It's a kind of hopeful name for development of areas that will produce green and future-oriented technologies, in particular batteries, but I think also the, the value chain, both up and downstream from batteries, including cars and, and other electronics that are associated with them. As I say, aspirational, because everybody wants to have these kinds of battery belts, but there's not one that's kind of come to dominate the industry so far that I that I know of. So everybody's going to be aiming to be the next battery belt, just as 10 years ago, everyone was aiming to be the next sort of Silicon Valley, and you'd have people talking about Silicon Fen. and in England or Silicon Alley in Berlin and things like that. So I think in the US, it is specifically the old area known as the Rust Belt
0: that is aiming to become the battery belt in the, in the Northeast in particular. And I think Joe Biden is a big fan of this. Do you think this term is likely to catch on? And do you think when politicians use a term that makes it more or less likely to catch on lane? I mean, what, what sort of determines whether these
5: neologisms take hold or not? I think that Building on something that already exists helps a new term catch on. So if you have YIMBY, it kind of piggybacks on the existence of NIMBY. And if you have Battery Belt, it piggybacks on the existence of Rust Belt. And so wherever you can kind of reuse somebody's familiarity with something, I think it definitely helps catch on. And it also helps that it makes them kind of comprehensible right away. If you haven't heard the term Battery Belt as our invited guest there did, you can make a pretty good stab at guessing it. Whereas if a term is opaque and you need lots of explaining, that opacity is, kind of a, is usually a death sentence for a new word. Okay, well, thank you both very much. In a moment, I'm
0: going to be putting some of my new words to Lane and Erin. But first, a quick reminder. If you want unlimited access to the Economist app and website or a printed copy sent directly to your door every week, you need to subscribe. Otherwise, you're missing out on our coverage of unexpectedly fascinating things like circular gigafactories, office archaeology and beer making in Ghana. You'll find the best offer at economist.com slash podcast offer. Okay, we're talking about new words that may or may not catch on in 2023. And now it's my turn to suggest some of them. And I'm going to start with horizontal and vertical escalation.
2: Is horizontal and vertical escalation like some sort of corporate speak? Oh, yeah. What if it's to do with like reporting misdemeanours at work? And you could tell your boss vertical escalation, or you could tell someone on your level horizontal
0: escalation, because like the act of reporting it to anyone is important. Okay, Erin, any guesses on what this means?
1: Escalation makes me think of warfare, but beyond that, I have absolutely no idea.
0: Yes, this is indeed a military term, and it's used by military wonks to distinguish between two ways that a conflict can escalate. Horizontal escalation is where the geographical scope of a conflict expands. So that would be, for example, in this case, if Russia attacks another country, not just Ukraine, and draws it into the conflict. And vertical escalation is where the intensity of the conflict increases, either with attacks on new kinds of targets or the use of new kinds of weapon. So, those are the sort of two ways that conflict could escalate in Ukraine. But it goes without saying that neither kind of escalation is a good thing. OK, let's move on to um, something a bit jollier. And these are pass keys. Pass keys.
4: Pass keys. P
0: A
2: S S keys. K E Y S. That just sounds like a key card.
3: Would that be like the way you get into the metaverse? Like a ticket in?
4: I think this is just a fancy way of saying like, login, password, passkey. Pass key. Maybe, maybe passkey is not in alphabetical letters. But maybe it's in numbers only.
0: Erin, would you like to guess what a passkey is?
4: Passkey
1: is definitely something that I have heard the economists, IT folks say. So I also think it has something to do with like a secure way of holding your passwords or of logging into websites.
0: That is indeed what this is. It's an attempt to actually get rid of passwords. So it's a new technology. And of course, the big question with new technologies is, will anyone actually support it? In this case, it's supported by Apple, Google and Microsoft already. And it replaces passwords with biometrically validated tokens that are automatically generated and they can't be guessed or forgotten or stolen. And when you go to log into a website or an app, You use this token, which is stored on your computer or on your phone, and you use a biometric like a facial recognition or a fingerprint to prove that it's you, and it then gets handed over to the website. You can do this already on some websites. I've been doing this on eBay, and it really is amazing the way it all kind of joins up. I'm using a Mac as my computer. I'm using Chrome, which is the Google browser, and I'm using an Apple Watch. And when I go to eBay, my watch kind of twitches, and I just have to push a button on my watch to say I'm logging in because I'm already authenticated to my phone. Own. obviously it could really have a big impact on things like phishing attacks where you know websites impersonate legitimate websites and get you to reveal your password that is not possible with this technology so i, I hope this will really catch on in the coming months if for no other reason than it just feels very kind of secret agency to uh, to log into a website with your with your watch okay finally from me we have the donut effect the donut <sighs> effect
3: Something to do with round. It's like circular.
2: Mm. Like sounds good, but it's secretly bad because it's got a hole in the middle. Like it's not fully thought through.
3: The donut effect. Maybe something to do with social media. Echo chambers is what we have now. And the donut effect is something else. The way that social media is developing.
2: Oh, I know what that is. Basically, it's like a new way of thinking about economics. It's like a round
5: visualisation of the economy. Okay,
0: Lane, do you know what the donut effect is?
5: I was actually going to go with something more literal here. Uh, People have been stressed and anxious during the last couple of years for lots of reasons. And I was wondering if it had something to do with the increased willingness to give in to unhealthy temptations in the pandemic while you're home and uh, stressed out by the news and in your pajamas, whether that's a donut, literally, or a cigarette or that glass of wine. Um, But uh, maybe I'm way off.
0: No, well, um, it is indeed a pandemic-related pandemic related Term. A donut in America has a hole in the middle. In Britain, a donut has jam in the middle. This is an important distinction, but this is an American style donut because it refers to the fact that the rise of working from home means that people are less interested in being close to city centre offices and instead they value having domestic space. And so that means that suddenly living in the suburbs is much more attractive because you get to have more space. And so it refers specifically to the fact that suburban rental values have shot up and created a ring of growth in in the suburbs rather than the city centres and this term was coined by Nicholas Bloom of Stanford University and Arjun Romani who now oddly enough works at The Economist. They've literally got the data to prove that this is happening in, in large cities and um, we're seeing commercial property developers responding to this by building essentially fancier offices. They're hoping that you can lure people back into city centres if you give them fancy offices with all sorts of beautiful views and nice amenities. So they are imagining I suppose the British kind of donut, the kind that is, in fact, filled with jam. Okay, well, that's the last of our words. There are many more of these in the special section in The World Ahead 2023, which is called Understand This, which is on newsstands now and available online at economist.com slash worldahead2023. Thank you very much, Lane and Erin. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. And thank you for listening to The World Ahead. We'll be back on Monday, January the 2nd, where we'll be exploring China's uncertain post-pandemic path. Do join us then. This episode was a Tempo and Talker production for The Economist. The producer is Tom Pooley, and the executive producer is Sandra Schmueli. I'm Tom Standage, and in London, this is The Economist.